Amen. Boy, that was good singing today, wasn't it? That was good. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you, brother. Matt, that was my dad's favorite song. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. What a treat. Praise the Lord. The blood will never lose its power. What an amazing message that is. We are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. What a beautiful, beautiful thing we sang about this morning. Well, this morning, I want to say, so glad to see you. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I want to say a special thanks to Pastor Lee uh, for allowing me to preach this morning. They are in North Carolina, and then this morning, he did text our staff, and we need to be praying for Susan. She had to go to the ER this morning. She might be having a a UTI, I believe, Uh, and so we need to be praying for her. And then I also asked about this. Uh, Maybe some of you have heard that Debbie Williams this past week was diagnosed with cancer, and it's stage four. Not 100% sure of every detail of that, but she did not receive good news, and so we need to be praying for them as a church family. Brian did ask for that, that we be praying for them, and we will do that here shortly. But this morning, I want to, again, say thank you for this opportunity to preach God's Word as uh, we do look forward uh, to this idea in Galatians that Pastor Lee told me to keep preaching in Galatians, uh, important if true. And so this morning, I want to ask if you'll go to the book of Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 21. Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 15 through 21. And when you get there, I'd like to ask if you'll stand out of the reading and the reverence of God's word. Again, Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. And Paul writes, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have, uh, have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too, found, uh, we too were found to be, sinners in, uh, to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Well, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor, for through the law I have died to the law, so that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and I pray, God, that we will humbly submit to what your word has said. God, that we will leave here with a better understanding and that we'll apply it to our lives. We thank you so much for your word. Lord Jesus, we come now, right, uh, right now, we want to pray for uh, Susan Brewer as she is in the hospital. Pray, God, for peace and comfort for them. Lord, that uh, you would please take care of of her situation. We pray also for our sister Debbie, uh, Lord, for this uh, horrific news that they received. We pray for peace and comfort uh, for them. God, asking that if it be your will, that you would heal them, and uh, Lord, that you would just give them the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, again, we thank you so much for your great love, for just even the truth that we sang about this morning, and we rejoice in that, and we pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, before we begin to 
break down the meanings of verses 15 through 21, I believe it's important for us to understand a little bit of the context. Uh, We've been going through the book of Galatians for the last several weeks now, and it's already been stated that the author of Galatians is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the churches, plural, there in Galatia. Galatia was not a city, but it was a region in North Asia Minor that is now modern-day Turkey. And in the book of Acts, chapters 13 and 14, Galatia was a part of Paul's first missionary journey as he visited many cities there in Galatia. And the theme that Paul has put together in this letter of Galatians, it is that Christ's death upon the cross is sufficient for one's salvation. And that it is so sufficient that the Jews are no longer under the obligation to follow the outward ceremonies of the Old Testament laws. And for these Jews to believe that they were justified by following these laws, back in chapter 1, Paul compares that to denying the gospel message altogether. Because one is not saved by keeping the law, but is justified by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just sang about that this morning. And in his kindness, in God's kindness, he has also extended this gift of grace to the Gentiles. Well, who's that of the Gentiles? Those are uh, the people born outside of the Jewish religion, those who are not children of the promise. They were born outside of that. And God has now extended this gift of the gospel message, not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. What a great thing that is for us. Going back to our scriptures in verses 15 and 16, Paul says that we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and give you this uh, today that you're going to see a lot of redundancy within the scriptures and within their meanings. It's very important because, we, again, we have to understand the context because in continuation of last week's message that Pastor Lee preached, we saw that Paul had just publicly rebuked, he confronted the, the apostle Peter for his own hypocrisy. And he, Peter, uh, he led even the Jewish Christians and the leaders into the same hypocrisy. Even Barnabas, who was Paul's companion, probably his best friend, also led him into hypocrisy. Now, if you remember last week's message, Peter showed partiality to the Jews and their ceremonial laws, and he tried to even get the Gentiles to follow along with this. And I'll say it, Peter stood, yes, the apostle Peter stood in error. For the belief that you are justified by keeping the law believe it or not, is a false gospel. And the apostle Peter stood in error. And Paul Paul, uh, boldly confronted Peter of how his actions perverted the gospel message of Christ. And now in continuation of that, in verse 15, Paul makes this statement. And most likely he is talking to Peter here. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Again, consider that context as he is most likely talking to the Apostle Peter. And Paul makes this interesting statement that that we 
are, are, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So is Paul making this wild claim that the Gentiles are sinners only and that the Jews are not? Well, the answer is obviously no. If we know our scripture, the scripture clearly teaches that all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and that there is no one righteous, no, not one. So Paul does not mean by this, uh, so what does Paul mean by this statement? Paul is reminding Peter that they are both Jewish by birth because both Paul and Peter, they were descendants of the tribe of Benjamin and according to the Jewish standards, they both had the advantage of being born into the nation of God's chosen people as Jews. And being uh, that they were Jews, they were blessed by God with the written law and the knowledge of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And for them, it, it offered a way as God's chosen people to be made right with God. And the reason that Paul says Gentile sinners is because Gentiles are born outside of God's chosen people, the Jews, and the Gentiles are not knowing, not knowing the law. They had been given limited opportunities for righteousness. So it's not that the Jews are not sinners and that the Gentiles are. It's because Paul and Peter knew the Old Testament system with its traditions. And if you were outside of Judaism, you are a Gentile. And to the Jews, we are known as transgressors to God's law for not knowing it. And then in verse 16, Paul so boldly just drops this bombshell, this, this earth-shattering announcement as he says that, no one is justified by keeping the law. No one is justified. I think the King James and the NASB probably put it a little bit better as it says that no flesh is justified by the law. So ultimately, the sinful nature of man, it is not completed, not redeemed by keeping the law. Let me say that again. Ultimately, the sinful nature of us as mankind, we are not completed, we are not redeemed by keeping the law. And this idea that we are only made right through faith, believe it or not, is only a concept within the religion of Christianity. And in verse 16, Paul again says that we are Jewish by birth. Paul and Peter is what he means by this. Now remember back in verse 9 of chapter 2, Peter and the church leaders, they just approved and legitimized Paul's gospel presentation. Yet here in these later verses, Paul is having to remind Peter and these strictly law-observing Jews that justification is by faith alone. To be justified means that someone is declared righteous in the sight of God. My dad used to say this. He says, being justified means as just as it never happened. And I still say that today. Because, our, because of our faith, and the Greek word for faith is pistos, meaning trust, because of our faith or trust in Christ, we are now justified. And it's just as our sin never happened because we are declared righteous by God himself. So to think about this, when we put our faith and we put our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, that he was dead and raised from that he was buried and raised from the dead, you are now justified. And it's just as your sin never happened. Past, present, and future, your sin is forgiven. So we think about important if true, that's very important. And we know that 
to be true. So the law in and of itself cannot make us right with God. Paul as a Jew, Peter as a Jew, and all the other Jewish leaders there, every Gentile, we must put our trust in the risen Savior of Jesus Christ in order to be made right, to be declared right with God. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, Paul beautifully explains this. The verses should be up on the screen. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, what is that? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has what? Faith in Jesus. This is why our faith is so important. That is what makes us right with God. Now in verse 17 through 18, it says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ... We too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Well, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So keep in mind that Paul is making these statements publicly, boldly. Again, who is in this crowd with Paul? Well, it's these Jewish Christians. These are people who were Jewish by birth. They were born in the promise of Judaism. They understood and knew the Old Testament law, but now they have put their faith in Christ as the Messiah. There's also the Gentiles there as well. And Paul just discussed how the Gentiles are known among the Jews as sinners. And when the Jewish Christians associate themselves with the Gentiles, the traditional outside Jews will then accuse the Jewish Christians of now becoming sinners just like that of the Gentiles. These self-righteous, law-abiding Jews are believing that the Gentiles should adopt their ways. And listen, that is dangerous. It is one thing for us as Christians to stand upon the commands of God and say, yes, we need to obey these. We need to show our love to God by obeying his commands. But when I start telling you, hey, you've got to obey them just like I obey them. Hey, you have to adopt my traditions of what I do as a Christian. That's dangerous. That's wrong. We obey God's word, not man's traditions. So Paul is destroying their logic by saying that we are all sinners, especially if you want to compare yourselves, uh, ourselves to the Old Testament law. And ultimately, if we want to compare ourselves to Christ, who perfectly kept the law, Paul then asked this question, is Christ then a servant, meaning minister, of sin? And he answers his own question by saying, well, certainly not. So it's almost as if these Jewish Christians thought that Jesus' death and resurrection made them right with God, but apparently it didn't make them right enough with God. 
See, back in chapter one of Galatians, the Judaizers, they were deceiving the Gentiles into thinking that salvation is Christ plus fill in the blank. For them, it was keeping the law. And and you'll see that some translations say circumcision, okay? With this being said, this is a false teaching that I am saved by Christ plus my good works. That's not true. And then in verse 18, Paul rebukes their thinking by stating that even if he goes back to the ceremonies of the law, he is then proved to be a transgressor, a sinner. Well, why is that? Because the law will always point to the fact that in our humanity, we are always hostile towards God and we are in need of the Savior. So Paul's answer to his own question was absolutely brilliant. So first, yes, We seek to be justified by Jesus alone, not by Jesus plus our good works in the law. Second, yes, we ourselves are sinners. That is, we acknowledge that we will still sin even though we stand justified before God through our faith in Christ. And with this understanding, Paul says that this does not make Jesus a minister to sin. I think the great reformer, Martin Luther, he he puts this perfectly. He once said this, a Christian is not somebody who has no sin, but somebody against whom God no longer chalks their sin because of their faith in Christ. Very well put. Moving on to verse 19, he says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Paul again makes another bold statement in front of the Jews saying that he had died to the law. Now, if you want to insult someone who is a traditional Jew, you just go tell them that. I died to God's law. They will not accept that. Because if he's dead to the law, then it was impossible for the law to be the very thing that makes him acceptable to God. But do notice this. Paul said that I died to the law But Paul did not say that the law is dead because at the heart of the law, it always reflects the holy, righteous character of God as well as the fallen nature of mankind. So yes, the law is important and it is true. Sadly, there are Christian leaders and churches today that will separate themselves from the Old Testament and the law that is known as Marcionism, and it was deemed a heresy back in A.D. 144. Listen, the law is important. Now, when I say the law, I'm not talking about the extra 613 traditions that Judaism placed upon its own people. I'm talking about the Mosaic law, also known as the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments is affirmed by Jesus himself and by the writers of the New Testament. Now, Jesus was very clear regarding the law. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 on the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus said this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now listen what he says to those who teach the law. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then, of course, right after that, if you're familiar with this passage, Jesus shows that mankind cannot perfectly keep the law uh, by teaching that if you have anger in your heart towards your brother or sister, you are guilty of murder, and that those who look upon another individual with lust in their heart are guilty of the sin of adultery. So the law is not dead. Instead, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, meaning this. He was the one who was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets who would deliver and rescue his people. And second, Jesus is that deliverer. Why? Because he was able to keep God's law perfectly. Mankind is not able to perfectly keep God's law, but Jesus Christ did. And knowing that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture, this is actually a key point for us to understand all of scripture. You see, everything in the Jewish scriptures, what we now call today the Old Testament, has been pointing forward to the arrival as Jesus the Messiah. The Old Testament law and the prophets describe this life of perfect, sinless righteousness, which no Jewish man had been able to fulfill until the arrival of Jesus. He was the first and he is the last to accomplish this very thing. So the point of all this uh, is for us to understand that we are not declared righteous by keeping the law. We are declared righteous by placing our faith in the one who perfectly kept the law, Jesus Christ. But we as Christians, although not under the obligation of the law for our righteousness, we obey God's law because of our love for God. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. Now, if we really think that Jesus came to abolish the law today, all right, let's just go out and steal something. You know what, Mr. Allen? You have a very nice truck. When I see your truck, I'm, I'm pretty jealous. I think I deserve that truck. You know what? I don't like my truck anymore. I hate my truck. When I see your truck and I look at my truck, I'm disgusted. And you know what? I deserve your truck. I'm not pretty sure. I don't think you deserve your truck. I think I do. I mean, what have you done for the Lord? I, I've done a lot for the Lord. So, you know, when we're done here, I'm just gonna go out and steal your truck and there's nothing you could do about it. Now, did I just break God's law? Yeah, even the child says yes. Thank you. I don't know who that was, but thank you, ch children. You're raising your children right, whoever the parents are there. Yes. Now, I didn't really mean that. Definitely not gonna do it, okay? I, I would never do that to you. You are a kind man, okay? Uh, but it's wrong. But if I really meant that and I really acted upon it, yes, I broke God's law. I am guilty of breaking God's law. Now, why should I not do, for, do that? Well, Paul answers that in verse 19. He says, because I now live for God. We now live for God. If I were to steal his truck, I'm not showing him love as my neighbor, and I'm definitely not showing him showing love to Christ, who is my God. We obey God's law because we love him. Now in verses 20 through 21, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. So I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Verse 20 of Galatians 2, probably one of the most quoted passages in all the New Testament scriptures. And here Paul is helping us to know that his former self, that the person he was before Jesus saved him, with all of his sinful goals, his self-exalting desires, came to a decisive end. He died. And the same goes for us. When we come to faith in Christ, we have died. Now, clearly, it's not a physical death. We're still breathing today, thank the Lord. But it's no longer I who live, as Paul says, meaning that all of my own personal interests, my own personal selfish goals, they no longer direct the path for my life. Rather, it is Christ in me, Christ who lives in me, who is the one leading me and empowering me to love God by obeying his laws. So, how can one who is crucified have any strength to continue to live? Well, Paul says, the life we live in the flesh, we now live by faith in the Son of God. So when we humbly realize that we are to trust Christ, day by day, and moment by moment. Because of that, God the Holy Spirit works in and through us to give us the spiritual effectiveness that we need to repent of sin and to bear much fruit. And it is all based upon God's great love for us, as Paul says, who loved me and gave himself for me. God loves us so much that he provided his son his own son, to die the death that we so greatly deserve. One of the most famous passages in all the Bible, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of my favorite hymns growing up singing, At the Cross, written by Isaac Watts. Verse 1 says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Think about that, the worm, the thing that lives in the muck of the ground, just like us in the pit of despair. And what an amazing display of pity and empathy that our Lord has upon us, knowing that we cannot be made righteous by our good works in the law. We're like that of the worm. We're just lowly as that worm. But you know what it's like to think that we're saved by our good works? Again, it's our faith that saves us, not the good works. But if you think that your good works make you right with God, it's like putting icing on top of a burnt cake. Several years ago, my mother-in-law, who I love greatly, she's a sweet lady. I, I, I do. She's a wonderful lady. Sometimes. Uh, with that being said, for one of my birthdays many years ago, I don't remember which birthday it was, she made a cheesecake. Now, I love cheesecake, okay? Sure, you could tell. Next time you're making a cheesecake, make a second one. Let me know. I'll be over there to get it. And not this lemon icebox pie. That's not cheesecake, all right? Are we in agreement? Some of you are. Some of you aren't. That's okay. You're wrong. So, but I love cheesecake. So, for my birthday, my mother-in-law made me a cheesecake. Very grateful. But she burnt the top of the cheesecake. Instead of scraping it off, she decided to cover it with strawberry sauce and whipped cream. 
Yeah, that didn't fly. We figured it out really quick that it was burnt. But that's the idea here, that if you think that you can be made righteous with God, it's like putting icing on top of a burnt cake. And again, this is one of the oldest heresies out there that if you think that you were saved by your good works of the law, you stand condemned. It is not the gospel at all. In verse 21, Paul plainly says that if the law could save us, that means that Jesus died for nothing. Listen, sin is so serious that only the substitutionary atoning death of Jesus can deal with our problem of sin once and for all. God's grace in the gospel message of Jesus' death and resurrection must be humbly uh, and thankfully accepted as the only way for our righteousness and salvation. So, going back to the statement, important if true. To be justified before God through faith and not the works of the law, that's important. That is very important. We've got to get that right. To know that as Christians, our love for God and for others is based off the fact that Jesus loves me and gave himself for me, that's important. And of course, as God's children, we know this to be true. And because it's true, I want to give you three benefits for the Christians who have been justified by faith. Now, I know there's more than three. I'm sure we could come up with a long list, but I want to give you three to keep it simple. Number one, because we are justified by faith, we now have peace with God. Think about that. Because you've been made right through faith, you and God are at peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. That's important. Number two, because we are justified by faith, we are saved from the wrath of God. This is another topic that a lot of people do not want to address within the church today, and that's damaging We need to understand the wrath of God and why it is so important. Did you know that the Greek word for wrath is timos? Our students have been learning this as we've been going through the book of Revelation. That word timos means God's burning fury. Yes, he is an all-loving, all-kind, all-compassionate God, yet he is also full of wrath. He is perfect in every form. And God, who is all-loving, will one day pour out his burning fury upon the unbelieving. We've got to understand how important this gospel message is. Because those who reject the gospel will experience that timeos wrath of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's important. And the last one, the third one, because we are justified by faith, we are promised the eternal hope of glory. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, 
undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So, important if true. Faith in Christ is important. Knowing that you are not justified by your good works of the law, that's important. It is through Christ and Christ alone. And now because Christ lives in me, we obey God's law because we love him because he first loved us. This is important. Pray that God has spoken to you today through his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and I thank you so much again for your word. I pray, Lord, that we will take this to heart, knowing that through this gospel message that you have so generously given to us, Lord, I pray that as our hearts have been changed by our belief through Christ, God, that it shows in our actions or our love for you and our love for people. And I pray, Lord, because we love you and because we love people, we will go to people and we will share this great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for dying for our sins, for dying in our place, knowing, God, that we cannot save ourselves through the good works of the law. So, Jesus, I pray that you will strengthen us, that you will use us for your glory. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.